The Akkad and Coca Report, episode number 64. Welcome to the Akkad and Coca Report, the podcast dedicated to making sense of healthcare. From policy to economics, from evidence-based medicine to ethics, join us as Drs. Michelle Akkad and Anish Coca diagnose and treat the latest epidemic of healthcare absurdities. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this next episode of the Akkad and Coca Report. Regular listeners of the show may have noticed that my co-host, Dr. Coca, rolls his eyes back whenever I appeal to the idea that voluntary communities are perfectly capable of taking care of the medical needs of their members without the intervention of governments and without the corrupting influence of the government insurance system. Our guest today will make this idea very concrete for us and for our audience. Dale Bellis is the founder of Liberty Health Shares, one of a handful of healthcare cost-sharing ministries that help thousands of families across the, the United States obtain excellent medical care in an ethical and sustainable fashion. Mr. Bellis began his work in healthcare in 1988 as an administrator with the first cost-sharing group ever begun in modern times. He was instrumental in passing legislation in 11 states, exempting cost-sharing from insurance regulations. He also introduced technology and administrative techniques to streamline person-to-person cost-sharing. In 2001, he founded a business to administer self-funded healthcare plans to employers for employers. As a third-party administrator, Mr. Bellis developed innovative cost containment strategies for employers. He created the first technology-based audit system for healthcare billing, saving employer plans millions of dollars in unfair charges each year. With experience in both secular healthcare plans and cost-sharing ministries, Mr. Bellis founded Liberty Health Shares in 2012 to provide Americans freedom from insurance and government-mandated health care. Dale Bellis, welcome to the show. Oh, what a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for the invitation. It's great to have you. Uh, you know, freedom from insurance and government-mandated health care, that sounds absolutely great. Uh, Anish, Anish, we'll start with, uh, you know, the line of questioning, uh, you know, about the background. Go ahead, Anish. So thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's really wonderful to have you, and uh, we have a lot of questions. Um, so specifically, we're talking about health uh, health sharing ministries, and so just to give a brief little introduction to folks that may not may, may be utterly unfamiliar, um, in a healthcare sharing ministry, members follow um, typically follow a common set of religious or ethical beliefs, and contribute a monthly um, uh, payment to cover qualifying medical expenses of other members. Um, the sharing ministry then match paying members or those who need further who need funds for healthcare costs, or they pool all the monthly shares and, and administer payments to members directly. Um, importantly, the program is not considered an insurance company, um, and this certainly isn't offered through an insurance company. Company, um, the program doesn't guarantee or promise your medical bills will be paid or assigned to others for payment. Um, <clears throat> and whether anyone chooses to pay your medical bills is totally voluntary. Um, so, so, and, and as I understand it, um, um, the health sharing ministries have really become popular, especially um, when the Affordable Care Act went into place. Um, and you, you know, as Michelle's introduction points out, you've had a long history of kind of uh, self-directed, uh, non-third-party based um, uh, healthcare delivery. How did, how, how did you, how did this all start out? How did, how did folks uh, think about uh, start thinking about uh, these uh, health sharing ministries? Well, it, it really goes back to the traditions, frankly, of America long before uh, the advent of modern insurance. Uh, when, if you and I lived 100 years ago uh, and had a medical bill, it was our local community who would surround us, support us, local church, our neighbors, community uh, would come around, uh, help support the family, uh, help pay the bill, uh, and it was a community-based uh, methodology of meeting healthcare costs. Then, of course, with the advent after World War II of the modern insurance uh, movement, particularly in employer-based uh, healthcare, uh, we've come over the last 70, 80 years uh, to believe that there's only one way to meet healthcare costs, and that's through health insurance. And we're just here to say no. There is another long-standing tradition of mutual aid, of mutual care, of like-minded individuals assisting and caring for one another. And we do that without the help of an insurance company. 
Uh, it comes from our goodwill and our intent to care for and assist another person. Uh, and that's really the tradition behind healthcare sharing. Now with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, you know, we've thrown in technology and systems and methodology uh, that, that makes it much more efficient uh, and can incorporate large volumes and groups of people across America, uh, but we haven't moved away from those roots of person-to-person -person, uh, support and care uh, and engagement to the financial uh, costs of medical expense. So, so the history of this is that there was all there were always communities, um, frequently religious uh, communities, who that that had a kind of shared contract among the community, uh, and um, and so um, that, that's really true. And in fact, uh, the majority of that came from a, a particular strain of German immigrants uh, that are Mennonites and Amish and Brethren in Christ, the Anabaptist movement. Uh, that really have lived that out uh, in, in a very specific and, and intentional way. Uh, and that's really where the healthcare sharing movement began. Uh, and then in 1982, uh, the very first healthcare sharing ministry was launched really as the result of what happened in the life of a, of a pastor here in Northeastern Ohio uh, that he had, uh, was on his way to a speaking engagement. Uh, and was what uh, was just uh, unfortunately uh, had a was hit broadside by a, a drunk driver. Uh, his wife was killed. His youngest daughter was killed. His other children were severely injured and in the hospital. People who knew of his ministry, particularly to drug addicts and alcoholics, rallied to his aid, and within 45 days, uh, $50,000 of medical bills was paid in full. And he said, boy, that's the way we ought to be helping each other. And he launched the very first healthcare sharing ministry. That was in 1982. Several others have sprung up uh, since then. Uh, and, uh, and in the course of time, there are about four to five primary organizations in the U.S. that totally represent about a million uh, individuals. We represent about a quarter of a million uh, of those with Liberty HealthShare. Uh, and it's grown and, and has, been, has created quite a strong surge since the passage of the ACA uh, of people joining in on this methodology of meeting healthcare costs. So talk to me. <clears throat> so this has existed for a long time. Uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful uh, story. Um, I'll have to roll my eyes less at uh, Michelle whenever he talks about uh, these caring communities that, uh, uh, that care for one another. Um, but... Uh, there, there's certainly been um, uh, a, an uptick in terms of how how much people talk about this since the Affordable Care Act was passed. Can you talk about uh, why that is and what happened, and, and you yourself, um, by the way, um, the um, the healthcare sh uh, sharing ministry that you found uh, was, uh, was started with the ACA, correct? Can you talk a little bit about uh, the healthcare sharing ministry, uh, how it relates to the ACA, and and what exactly uh, you founded? Sure. It really came about, and, and uh, Michelle mentioned uh, that I launched in, in the early 2000s uh, a third-party administration company where I administered uh, health care benefit plans for employers uh, and employers that would self-fund. Uh, and, and during that decade, it became painfully obvious to me that there were some deep flaws in the third-party pay system uh, in terms of healthcare. Uh, the, the first being, of course, uh, that when we send our money away to a third party, uh, whether it's an employer plan or, the, uh, or an insurance company or the federal government, uh, suddenly it's their money. Uh, they begin to decide how to disperse that, and they begin making choices and decisions about the care of my health, uh, and so I lose a great deal of autonomy and oversight uh, regarding my health care. Uh, and and that, what that creates is a distance, a, a separation, almost an insulation of the individual patient from the care of their health and the costs associated with that care. If somebody else is paying the bill, <laughs> I don't have very much motivation to be a cost control partner uh, in that process. Uh, it's just, it becomes more of, a, of an attitude of, take care of me, of entitlement. 
and, and that's a real flaw. And we've seen the rising cost of healthcare just skyrocketing. Uh, that, and I lay the, flaw, the fault of that largely at the feet of the third party pay system. And that's not even been a part of the conversation uh, by, our by our legislators and policymakers to even address. That's number one. Number two, unfortunately, because it's under, in the hands of a third party, they're making decisions about my health care when I'm sick. So the only time I go to see a doctor or I'm in the hospital, uh, I'm, and unfortunately, the entire economy uh, has been created around the point of service arrangement where the more often I see a physician because I'm ill, that's how they get paid. That's a flaw. That, that's a sick care system. That's not a health care system. And so those two motivators uh, really caused me to begin to rethink certainly my engagement as a healthcare benefits administrator uh, in healthcare with the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, I was on my way to work one day. Uh, the ACA was passing. It hit me like a ton of bricks. There's got to be a way for the average ordinary person to meet healthcare costs without the uh, overwhelming intrusion uh, and, uh, and uh, control of the federal government. So I began to look for ways to accomplish that, researched it, launched Liberty Health Share in 2012 in association with one of those healthcare sharing groups that had been in existence since 1995. Uh, it's a, it was a Mennonite church, frankly, who said, man, we, we want people to come join us on the basis of our shared values and beliefs, uh, and it's just uh, grown uh, dramatically ever since. Right. So with the, with, the, with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, there was a carve-out for health, health sharing ministries where uh, health sharing ministries, uh, because they weren't considered insurance plans, um, did not have to um, meet many of the um, somewhat onerous requirements um, uh, uh, you know, of the, of, of the uh, regular third-party uh, uh, payment system. Um, but so with that, of course, um, comes a um, bevy of potential uh, problems. Um, so, you know, it, it's... it's it's said that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, because I'm, I'm learning about this. It, it's voluntary. It's a cooperative. It's motivated by compassion, the urge to assist another person in need. Um, uh, so, it, you know, that's really what drives it versus an insurance arrangement where there is a contract of indemnity. That's the essential difference. Can you talk about what what a contract of indemnity is? Sure. Uh, it, it's just simply a uh, literal contract of what, in which I enter into uh, that makes a promise to pay uh, based upon my participation in the payment of a premium. Uh, and so it, it, it details what that insurer will, will uh, engage in, in terms of payments uh, for certain losses that I incur, uh, particularly as it relates to my health. So, uh, and so with the ACA passage, and the carve-out, as you rightly uh, uh, pointed out, that entire section of the ACA essentially says that members of recognized healthcare sharing ministries are exempt from the requirement to have insurance, number one, and then pay a fine for not having insurance, or and also the second half of that, equally as important, exempt from the mandates of the Affordable Care Act. So we get to set our own rules. We call them guidelines uh, among ourselves as members as to the kinds of bills we'll participate in uh, and share in. Uh, and so that really gives us the freedom of choice uh, to determine the costs that, that we will participate uh, and be engaged in paying each other's bills. And it's self-fulfilling. Uh, what, right. what is so exciting to me about healthcare sharing uh, is that we each one make the commitment of, of basically there's there's by in our case Liberty Health Share there are five shared beliefs uh, on our website folks can check them out uh, that really define the who and what we are and why we exist and and there's really two fundamental ones uh, that is number one that are that we're creatures of God our bodies are temples and we have a moral and spiritual obligation to care for our health number one. And number two, we're really placed here on earth to help another person whenever they have a need. 
Uh, and so this is a, a, a systematic way to fulfill my convictions about why God's put me here on earth to help another person. And we fulfill that. So we have a, a drive uh, and a conscience-based motivation to help assist another person when they have medical expenses. That's the driver behind it. But, but that, that, that uh, contract of indemnity, um, it seems like, uh, at least it sounds like something that uh, folks would want, right? Because uh, it is a promise to pay. Um, in your particular case, um, the reason you're not an insurance uh, company and uh, are able to um, not be beholden to some of the rules is that there is no uh, guarantee of payment, correct? So whether you receive payment for medical expenses and whether or not this program continues to operate, you know, you're always going to be liable for um, unpaid bills. Whether anyone chooses to pay your medical bills is, some, is, is, a, is, a, is a voluntary thing. So let me draw an analogy about yeah. that for a moment. Yeah, Let's meaning, assume. meaning, but, but, but is, it, is, it, um, is it the case that um, folks are, uh, how, how, I mean, is, is that, that sounds, that'll sound scary to a lot of folks that well, something really I, bad happens. Absolutely. I, I have to rely on the goodwill of others to pay for me. Yeah. And if for whatever reason, the goodwill of others, um, first of all, there isn't goodwill for me because <laughs> for whatever reason, or, or, or the, the, the cost of it is, is so expensive, um, there may not be payment. So uh, how do you allay those fears? It would, uh, well, b based upon the reality of the fact that as a large group, uh, we've successfully met, met uh, everyone's bills based upon our uh, shared uh, uh, guidelines, we call them, uh, and that that kind of voluntary basis of participation gives us the maximum amount of control over the care of our health. We're all self-pay patients, not insured. That means it's my health that I'm focused on. The costs associated with that, it's my dollars at stake. Uh, and so our entire community is cost conscious and cost aware because it's our money at stake. The money's coming from my pockets and the pockets of my fellow members. And so there's a sense of obligation that, ac that, that accompanies my choices, realizing uh, that there are people of shared values and beliefs that are going to help pay my bill. Uh, and so I wanna be aware of those costs, find uh, treatment at the, at the most advisable price, uh, et cetera. And I was going to draw an analogy, if I may. Let's assume for a moment that you went to your local church or community center uh, and joined a group uh, that said, hey, we're all in this community together. We're going to make a commitment uh, to pay each other's medical bills. And you meet regularly, compare notes, talk about the medical system, talk, talk about how to find uh, services at the best price. Uh, issues relative to particular the care of health, etc. And one day, one person stands up, raises their hands, and say, "Hey, I just had a broken arm, uh, and here's my bill." And everyone reaches into their pockets and helps pay that bill. Uh, and, and so that would bicycle around from each member within that group, voluntarily cooperating with one another. But their commitment is to pay each other's bills. And when their bills occur, that same group is there to help meet their costs. Uh, we've just added in technology and methodology systems uh, to uh, accommodate that sort of mindset. Uh, and it has succeeded wildly <laughs> because we have a mutual set of beliefs and values. Uh, it's self-fulfilling and that I want my healthcare cared for as well as the others in the community. Uh, and, uh, it, and we participate every month knowing where our money's going and helping literally to pay another person's bill. Does it, does, does, does this, so it does not mean that high ticket items are out of reach, uh, meaning there are folks that despite the cleanest living uh, will have some type of cardiomyopathy and will end up needing a heart sure. transplant. Absolutely. How, how, so talk to me about how the specifics of that would work. So say a member of your community uh, needs, a, needs a heart transplant. Heart transplants can be inordinately expensive things. Just the, the, the lead up and the work up to getting that. It's not that 
you know, I have a bad heart and tomorrow I get a heart transplant and you're right. admitted and you go home, right? Sometimes these patients are admitted for months and months. Sometimes they need devices before. I mean, the costs to bear seem to be uh, at a level that would break uh, most, you know, relatively smaller um, uh, type of voluntary uh, payment, uh, you know, schemes. So how, how does that work? How would you, how do you end up paying for that? Well, number one, uh, it's our money. And so we're uh, really focused on, uh, on being engaged in those costs. Number two, we're health conscious uh, because we really believe that our bodies are temples. We need to take care of them. And so health conscious people typically have fewer bills and uh, go to the hospital less and, uh, and recover more quickly. Uh, but, but third, and probably the, the most important, is uh, that we're, we're just simply agreeing to, to share those costs on a mutual basis, and in our case, 240,000 individuals uh, across America. And here's how it works. It's two-sided. It's how I participate every month, and then what happens to me if I have a medical bill, and we can talk about both sides of that coin. Yeah. Uh, but every month, we ask our members to set aside a predetermined share amount. And that's calculated based upon the amount of bills submitted by the members every month and divided equally among the households, whether you're single, a couple, or a family. Now, the law of large numbers is such uh, that has stayed and does stay the same month after month, uh, just simply because of, again, the law of large numbers. So every month we ask a single to set aside $299. Uh, a couple uh, is $399. Uh, a family is $529. Uh, and that amount of money goes into a secure online account that we call our share box. Uh, and through our online technology, uh, that money gets matched to another person who has medical bills. I literally see my money get sent and matched from my account to theirs every month. I get to message them with cheer, with encouragement, with prayer. Uh, and so I'm helping to pay the costs of another member every month. And then we cut the check out of the receiving member's account to the doctors and hospitals, and we're using that methodology, paying each other's bills to the extent of $38 million every month. Wow. Now, with those numbers, if you have a million-dollar hospital stay, we can absorb that. A $5 million stay, we can absorb it. A $10 million stay, uh, we can absorb it because of the law of large numbers, the participation, and the basic principle that we've agreed to, that we will share in those costs on an equal mutual basis. If it needs to, because of experience and practice and, in, and the members' uh, costs need to be increased in a given month, we'll do that. Uh, or maybe we'll say to our members, that indicates a trend, costs are going up, and so we need to add an additional $50 going forward. Uh, and that has happened one time. Uh, in our existence, uh, where we've raised the what we call share amount by fifty dollars uh, because see. of increased costs, but but that's the mechanism behind paying for and meeting those costs. Do you also negotiate uh, expenses directly with hospital systems or uh, uh, providers? Yeah, you know, in a, in a twofold way, uh, as we all know, <laughs> there's not unfortunately a marketplace you and I or anyone else can go to that says, here's what a medical procedure should cost. Uh, and so consequently, we've re relied on a mechanism or, or a, a database. Uh, we start with Medicare. Uh, docs and hospitals and, and healthcare professionals are all familiar with Medicare reimbursement, but that's not enough, frankly. Uh, and so we add 20, 30, 40% to that, depending upon uh, the particular uh, procedure. Uh, and not, literally our track record is 97% of all doctors and hospitals and uh, ancillaries, et cetera, accept those payments from our members. The, the other 3%, we engage in a conversation uh, and, and negotiate and resolve it on behalf of the member so that 100% of our bills uh, are met. But that methodology uh, in terms of, of reimbursing uh, healthcare uh, providers and, and uh, doctors and hospitals uh, represents 
about uh, a a 60/40 kind of uh, of discount on actual build amounts. That is, we're sharing in 40% of what is billed. Uh, and so it really indicates that there's a billing issue in American healthcare today because all we want to do is make sure our providers are reimbursed fairly and reasonably and promptly. Uh, and th that's how we approach that cost. Yeah, that's right. so that's the you know the whole issue of the list prices being crazy and uh, but that that that's really interesting that so even even though you're providing a premium over what Medicare is giving and you're able to do that uh, and that's how you get such wide acceptance of uh, of your plan to uh, providers yeah. it's something that folks don't understand is is such a massive problem with Medicaid right Medicaid is supposed to be the solution to everything mm. and Medicaid expansion you know I I can't tell you how many times. I, I am amazed by uh, folks in health policy that that think Medicaid is so unbelievable. Like, I want to I want to give them a Medicaid card and then go find uh, you know somebody to somebody to take care of them. Um, so well, that's again, great. That's a part of the government imposition right. on uh, physicians such as yourselves. Right. That uh, we value this particular uh, medical service yeah. by X, which is far below in many cases. Right. Uh, your capacity to even survive. Right. Uh, and so that's why we have uh, re relied on Medicare reimbursement tables and added that 40% to it. Uh, because number one, uh, we want to be fair and reasonable. Uh, number two, uh, we want our doctors at our hospitals to thrive and survive. Um, the one, one couple more specifics and then I'll get Michelle on. Sorry. Just um, so, so essentially there's a premium payment per month. Uh, um, there is, um, there are deductibles. There are also co-pays, correct? Uh, we, yeah. The, the, so the first half uh, that I described in terms of the share amount uh, that we participate in, uh, that's the payments that we set aside every month. If I myself have a medical bill, uh, we each as a household have what we call an annual unshared amount. Now, we use that term, not to be tongue-in-cheek, we're not insurance and we don't use insurance terminologies because from the standpoint of uh, the consumer, the participant, we don't want them to confuse us uh, with insurance. So we call it an annual unshared amount. So each family member or each household that has medical costs in a given membership year are responsible for, if you're single, the first $1,000. If you're a couple, it's $1,750. Uh, if you're a family, it's $2,250. So we fill up that bucket, whatever expenses we incur in the cost of the year. Once we fill that bucket up, then our members participate together in the, in the cost we experience on an incident basis. Let me just use an example. If I had a heart attack, uh, and was in the in the hospital. I'd be responsible because I'm a family. Uh, the first $22.50 I'd pay out of my pocket. Members would then join in and participate up to a million dollars for anything associated with that diagnosis. All the doctor visits and hospital stays and surgeries, recovery, medications uh, for that heart attack. If I had kidney stones uh, in that same membership year, it'd be another million dollars. If I had a broken arm, be another million. And that method of meeting costs has proven to be more than adequate for our members. I see. And what about, and you do have a defined uh, package of benefits um, in terms of, uh, do the members know, uh, have a clear understanding of um, what benefits they're getting, uh, meaning whether it be, um, you know, I don't know, mental health, substance abuse, all, all sure. of these various different things like uh, we call them our guidelines. Okay. Uh, we walk members through those that are coming to join us in our intake process. We make sure they understand the general outlines of the kinds of bills we participate in. Uh, but our guidelines detail the, those. And we have a, a, a constant stream of member education uh, to, to our participants to make sure they cer certainly grasp uh, what our uh, sharing guidelines are. What's the deal with pre-existing conditions? Do you do, do folks that are sick to begin with, have chronic illnesses, um, are they um, allowed to sign up for health, health sharing ministries? Do you, as a health sharing ministry, 
have um, some type of uh, filter that you can apply? I mean, do you do you have to accept everyone uh, who who applies to your health sh sharing ministry? Yeah, that's that's a, obviously a big question, particularly under the Affordable Care Act. People have come to expect uh, that uh, their their pre-existing costs will be met. We handle it in a couple of different ways, uh, and and the two two of them, uh, I mean, both sides of of this solution is really important for people who come and join us and consider Liberty Health Share as a solution for them. The first is uh, our rule of thumb. Uh, and we talk people through this because obviously pre-existing conditions are very personal and, and in many cases, uh, you know, unique to that particular individual. So we're always happy to chat with people about it uh, at no cost to them. Uh, but the first year, uh, folks can join us, by the way, any month in the course of the year. So we're not subject to that open enrollment calendar that really is the funnel, if you, as you well know, under the Affordable Care Act, for meeting the pre-existing conditions. Folks can't just simply buy insurance throughout the course of the year. They have to do it in that open enrollment period. That's their mechanism for pre-existing. Folks can join us any year, or I'm sorry, any month in the course of the year. So the general rule of thumb is uh, that if you have a pre-existing condition, it's not eligible for members to share in in that first year. Second year and following, we pick up on it, soon phase it in till it's no longer pre-existing. But the second way we deal with pre-existing is probably the most, frankly, the most impactful one I'm very proud of, uh, and that is the vast majority, as you all would know as physicians, uh, of the pre-existing conditions presented are lifestyle-based conditions. High blood pressure, heart disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, certainly obesity, smoking, cholesterol, uh, all of those are lifestyle-based conditions. We welcome folks to come join us, uh, but they do so uh, and, and they're required if they have that kind of, uh, of a uh, a chronic condition responsive to their uh, how they eat and sleep and exercise and live, uh, we assign them a health coach. It costs them an additional $80 a month. We call it health track. They come and join us. We share in those pre-existing costs so long as they join health track. We assign them a health coach. They set their own prescribed treatment plan and goals. They work towards uh, those objectives. Uh, and once they reach them, we celebrate their achievement in our newsletter every month. We graduate, by the way, anywhere from four to 600 people every month from HealthTrack. Uh, and then they continue on as members. The $80 drops off. And we're seeing people's lives change, transform, uh, and alter as a result of simply taking responsibility uh, for the care of their health and their chronic condition. Last question before we get Michelle and all his pent up uh, pent up questions. Um, so, is that the mechanism? So, we, we talk a lot about the Affordable Care Act and um, uh, well, insurance general, not just the Affordable Care Act, about this difference between what's called community rating and risk rating when you're when you're enrolling members. Community rating is where you don't consider pre-existing um, uh, conditions that the patient has when setting premium amounts. Risk rating is uh, setting premium amounts and costs to the uh, patient. Uh, relative to what they have. So if you're a smoker, um, ha have diabetes, have coronary disease, uh, in a risk rating model, your insurance premiums will be higher. Um, in, in a community rating model, um, the third party in prayer, the insurer, uh, does not typically, um, uh, uh, cannot ask these questions and, and, and therefore must set premiums uh, being blind to that. Um, this $80 additional is, is, is that you pay that you do for certain chronic conditions. Is that how you, uh, no, that's a pass through for the cost of the health coach. Okay. So yeah. do you, do you no, have we, higher, we, do not, we, we don't rate individuals based on risk okay. as they come to us okay. uh, because it's a mutual share amount. They just simply join the community and as costs go up, if it, if they do, uh, as a group, uh, we address those expenses. So, uh, yeah, we're not risk rating uh, an individual. No one pays additional uh, because of, the, uh, of their particular condition. We never drop anyone regardless of how sick they become. 
Uh, and so the individual household is not evaluated as to the cost that they present to the group. It is simply a mutual expense that we incur or, or, or address every month from the entire 240,000 lives. So there are no, they're not folks that you turn away because they're too sick. You don't say that this is not the right, this is not right for you. You need to do something else. Is that clear or is that? We do, we do not turn people away because of the pre-existing conditions uh, that they bring with them. They evaluate in many cases whether it's suitable for them, uh, particularly because of that, uh, that one year period where we're not sharing in those costs. Right. Uh, so that right. may be onerous for them and they wouldn't participate for that reason. Uh, right. But Or if it's not lifestyle-based, you know, right. someone comes to us with Lou Gehrig's right. disease or, right. you know, right. some right. severe uh, health condition that's expensive and costly may not be suitable for them uh, because of that first year. But we do discover in many instances the costs associated with pre-existings in that first year uh, are literally less impactful to them financially uh, because of what they've been used to paying or, or asked to pay uh, in the secular healthcare arena. I'll just give you an example. Young couple came to us. They live in Washington, D.C. Jen, his name's Tripp. That's an interesting name. Uh, but Jen and Tripp in Washington, D.C., uh, they were paying $2,600 a month for their health care plan. They came and joined us, $529 for them and their two children. Their two children had pre-existing conditions that was costing them $800 a month. They gladly, <laughs> uh, per, uh, you know, gladly spent the $800 in that first year uh, because it was such a dramatic savings overall. Uh, and in a year, it'll no longer be pre-existing. So that happens frequently. It's important to highlight the fact that all forms of, all payers need some type of mechanism to prevent gaming of the system. So where you don't get any insurance until something bad happens, then you sign up for an insurance plan, right? Um, you well, know, let let you me get, pick it up here because that's, that's going to be on my, uh, yeah. oh, okay, uh, good, good. part of the yes, question I want to ask. So Dale, I want to go back to something that you mentioned um, uh, earlier that, I mean, or two key aspects. One is the, sh the shared beliefs um, among yep. the members, you know, these values that they're going to take care of themselves and take care of one another. Yes. And the other one is the, the law of large numbers that allows you to, to sort of survive. Um, uh, the, now, is there there can be a little bit of a tension the way I, I see it between um, those two things. The way I, I think about it is this. When the uh, ACA was passed and they had a carve out for cost sharing ministries, they specified, if I understand it correctly, that only um, certain existing cost sharing ministries that had been around for more than 20 years, right, since before 2000 or yeah, before 1999, was a, was a date stamp. <laughs> right, qualified. December 31st, 1999. Right. right. Uh, they qualified for, the, for this, um, this exemption, for being exempt from uh, the Obamacare mandate and, yeah. uh, and, uh, uh, and the fine. And, and that, if I seem to have caused a, a, a rush of interest among a lot of folks into the, you know, to the, towards the health, um, uh, the cost sharing ministries, right? And, and the numbers have sort of swelled, right? Um, has it been, you, you've had a lot of interest in the cost sharing ministries um, with the passage of the uh, Affordable Care Act? The, the, the statistic uh, that we've been able to collect uh, is that in 2010, with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, there were about 200,000 individuals engaged with healthcare sharing ministries in 2010. Uh, it has grown substantially uh, over the last uh, intervening years till now there's more than a million uh, right. that are participating in cost-sharing uh, organizations. Uh, and as I mentioned, we represent 250,000 uh, of those. Uh, and so the other sharing ministries, uh, there, there are primarily five uh, in the U.S. that are of substance and size. There are, there are plenty of small little pockets, local churches uh, that engage in this particular model of, of meeting uh, costs. Over 180, because of the requirements of the ACA to uh, submit a registration, 
that you were a healthcare sharing ministry, uh, the uh, over 180 have registered with CMS uh, and received their letter of recognition as a healthcare sharing ministry. But again, only five of that 180 uh, are really of any sort of size and substance. I see. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I thought it was just primarily those, you know, four or five. And so, 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 um, but again, my, my question is that, uh, is there, is it challenging a little bit when a, a, a cost sharing ministry grows, uh, then you have the benefit of the large numbers, but at the same time, perhaps you lose the, the sort of the, the personal uh, knowledge of, of one another, right? I mean, if you, if you're a small church or a small community and everybody knows each other, it's a little bit easier to, to gauge uh, the, uh, you know, the sincerity of the members and, uh, you know, whether to, to what extent they share those values precisely or, or what Anish was alluding to, are they joining primarily because of these? W w there's nothing wrong with joining because there's a, a calculus, right? There's a, a, a savings, you know, you can save money, of course. I mean, that's, that's very important. Uh, but at the same time, if it's, if it's the primary driver and if people join because they view it, Primarily, is something that's going to save the money over what they would have to pay, um, you know, in premiums. Then you may be getting people who. How, so, how, how do you deal with that? With this, or, or you think that the large numbers essentially compensate for, for the fact that some people may be joining that may not um, exactly share the values. Yeah, we uh, we don't try to police right uh, an individual's it, adherence. It, it, it'd be impossible. To our right? yeah, values correct. and beliefs. Uh, we want to treat each other as adults. <laughs> and so uh, we come to this with the belief and expectation uh, that we will all join in because we really do believe in and adhere to uh, those lifestyles and beliefs. And every member who enrolls uh, signs off on that. Uh, now, is it possible that someone would join us uh, and not do so sincerely? I'm presuming uh, by the by, the very reality of human nature, that's the case. Uh, that's not been a large issue for us. Uh, we attract like-minded people, and when folks look at us as a cheap alternative to insurance, and suddenly realize that this is based upon our closely held values and beliefs, and what we do together as a community, and their dollars are being not sent. Uh, not dropping into a company black hole somewhere. They know where their money's going every month. Uh, th their dollars are going to another person. Uh, and they know that it's going to Michelle. <laughs> and, and you disclose as the receiving member to the extent that you feel uh, comfortable uh, as to what your condition is or what, what your need is. Uh, and I get to send you a message of cheer, uh, of encouragement. Uh, Michelle, I'm praying for you. I, I hope you get better. That kind of environment tends to simply eliminate those who don't have uh, an identification uh, with that sort of method uh, and methodology. And we use modern technology, the internet, uh, our own uh, technology that we've written and developed uh, to really enhance and support uh, and put tools in the hands of our members to enhance that sense of community. But that's the sort of folks that we attract, uh, and it becomes a, a self-filtering system. Okay. And in other words, you haven't seen in the after, I mean, if you were, well, maybe for you, you, you founded Liberty HealthShare, at, you know, at, uh, with the, um, um, uh, you know, recently at the beginning of, uh, of the ACA, but I was wondering if, if somebody who had had a cost-sharing ministry for 20 years before, if they saw a change in their member makeup uh, in the aftermath of the ACA. And from what you're telling me, there doesn't seem to be any substantial um, difference. That's not substantial difference, okay. no. Okay. Are there, so this is news to me that there's 180 registered cost-sharing ministries. As far as you know, does that span a wide uh, spectrum of um, of uh, faith and uh, you know religions. I mean, they're primarily going to be religious groups, uh, or or have some kind of religious affili affiliation. Uh, of the what's five, your sense of that? Of the five largest healthcare sharing ministries that are cross-denominational, the vast majority uh, of those others who are registered as a healthcare sharing ministry uh, are are local churches. 
Mennonites, uh, Amish, uh, German Baptist, uh, you know, uh, etc. Largely those that uh, that come from uh, the uh, Anabaptist tradition, uh, and so consequently, uh, it's it, that is not as representative uh, of the religious community as those five that are trans-denominational. Right. And, um, and, and frankly, in our case, uh, we don't even ask what church you attend. That's right. So that's what I wanted to... <laughs> well, we, to don't, we don't intrude on individual faith choices or what your doctrinal statement is or, or what your beliefs are, uh, and we don't check up on that. We just simply say, here is our shared beliefs. Can you come and join us on the basis of these five values and shared beliefs? Uh, and that's how we've structured our... Uh, non uh, our healthcare share. Yeah, that's that's right. So it, it's, uh, I thought it was an important point to make that that uh, sort of it's it's inclusive in a way. I mean, there's a a general principle or some general principles, but otherwise it's not yeah. really uh, um, uh, restrictive in that sense. You know, they can be so long as people share those you, you know um, uh, general beliefs, then they're welcome to join. Now we are unabashedly Christian in our origin. Uh, we base our sharing principles. Uh, on our Christian values, uh, but we don't ask whether an individual is a Christian. <laughs> so long as you're willing to share on the basis of these Christian values, yeah, you're welcome. And so, consequently, we have uh, Jewish uh, participants. That's right. We have Hindus. Right. We have Muslims. Right. Uh, and, of course, the vast majority of our members are Christian, uh, but they do so recognizing and understanding we're a Christian organization, uh, but those principles are so are also reflective of multiple religious traditions uh, across the board and through the centuries. Uh, and so we believe uh, that represents a unification uh, of men and women across America that otherwise would not be there. It, it really does bring out the best values, the best response, uh, the best sorts of traditions that we want to foster in our nation. Generosity, care, uh, love, support for one another. Uh, and so th that's, that's what I see the, our contribution to the national character that we're encouraging and supporting and reinforcing. Uh, that's absolutely terrific. I, I uh, you know, for full disclosure, my family and I, we're, we're members of a cost-sharing ministry. We, we, we've, we've been members for the last five or six years. And, and it's, I can't imagine any other way. I mean, it's really the ethical and responsible way of helping one another uh, with healthcare, cost, healthcare costs. Um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about um, uh, the cost-sharing ministry in an environment where uh, third-party payments, you know, the insurance is so predominant and perhaps increasing if the government is going to expand or they're trying to expand uh, health insurance, you know, to uh, as much as they can. Uh, as you alluded to at the beginning, uh, really, I mean, it's health insurance is the reason why healthcare is so expensive, or at least, you know, one of the major reasons why healthcare is so expensive. And it's expensive um, uh, for people who... Who don't have who don't have health insurance? It makes it expensive for for other people who don't have health insurance. It makes it expensive even for people who do have health insurance because the 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 copays are increasing. You know whatever they have to pay is is getting more and more, and they don't have uh, control of their health care the way they they ought to have. Uh, what uh, what are you guys thinking? You know when you have your your uh, board meetings and whatnot about what's going on in healthcare and if this is it's a threat that insurance is going to if it gets expanded uh, is that a threat or how, how are you dealing with that or you you mentioned that you have some kind of you know on a month-to-month -month basis you, you keep track of of the costs right the expenditures for the group sure. and you see if it's and if it goes up then you have to increase the the members uh, contributions on a monthly basis but well, I there... believe we, we have a valuable voice in the discussion of our national conversation regarding health care and how to control costs. Uh, and that model is being heard and listened to uh, by policymakers and legislators as they grapple with what's the best path forward. 
Uh, and I just have to say, I've had opportunity uh, to, uh, to engage in those conversations uh, with both policymakers and legislators uh, about the path forward. Uh, and, and in my estimation, the, the amount of discussion going on right now uh, for those hoping or wishing for uh, some kind of socialistic medicine solution uh, for uh, Americans. Uh, you know, the, the universal or Medicare for all is the, is the kind of active phrase, uh, is, is an opportunity for us as a nation to really examine uh, what are the fundamental underlying value systems that produce the best results uh, and our voices be, has been heard. We will continue to raise it. Uh, and I don't know if America will ever institute, uh, you know, a, uh, a government-controlled and paid-for healthcare system. Uh, but if it ever does, uh, we're, believe me, <laughs> we will be uh, raising our voice loud and clear, uh, as we did as a, as a group of ministries in 2010, uh, that here's a proven process from meeting health care that empowers and frees the individual consumer to control costs. Don't shut that down uh, and uh, enable us to continue that tradition. So that would certainly be my belief. In the that. line of attack they're going to take, though, is going to say that um, health, share, health sharing ministries disproportionately draw healthy people to the pool and so thus hurt the broader insurance market. Um, so now we've already heard that. Right, right. Uh, so I mean, whether you know whether uh, it be and it's it's a faulty faulty premise. Well, well, uh, and, I mean, you don't think they have a. I mean, you know, for instance, you yourself no. said that. that <laughs> Sorry, I don't that's, accept that's the okay, premise. That's okay. So you, but you yourself <laughs> just said that you know uh, you have you know for folks who have pre-existing conditions who you know who have Lou Gehrig's and stuff and they they have an owner they may have an owner's burden uh, that first year um, because they're going to have to cover yeah. a, a you know significantly larger percentage of the cost or whatnot. That automatically will make for a healthier pool, uh, don't wouldn't you um, wouldn't you say? So automatically, you're kind of you're instituting things that are going to draw healthier people to your particular pool. So how? So go ahead, but tell me, tell me Which why. Tell me why you that, right? My argument, my argument, honestly, and it's a I love uh, the challenge uh, of the statement because it addresses the failure of our nation to ground our healthcare system in a baseline value. If we're not values-based as a, as a nation and as a country, and instead we foster this attitude uh, that says, I'm, I'm owed it, I'm somehow uh, you know, in line to receive this benefit for no other reason than I happen to draw air, <laughs> That's a flaw. It's a problem. We as a nation have to take responsibility for the care of our health. That's bottom line. And so what we attract, you're exactly right, are health conscious people, not healthy, but health conscious. Folks who are willing to assume and take on the responsibility for watching out over and living their lives in ways that promote health. Now, health-conscious people tend to have fewer bills. Uh, and the compassion that we express as a group uh, helps meet the pre-existing costs uh, of individuals regularly. We raise money on the side, uh, apart from our monthly share amount, to help pay for uh, pre-existing costs of individuals uh, that need it. That's an expression of our care and concern for one another. Uh, and and there, is a, there is a simple methodology uh, for meeting the uh, catastrophic costs of pre-existing in, uh, in our nation uh, as a population that would be easily accomplished uh, apart from those who, for no fault of their own, uh, have health care expenses and costs. We can easily, no one wants to withdraw that safety net uh, from people and their lives. Uh, and yet, uh, we believe that a, that a significant part of those pre-existing costs just simply would be allayed if folks take responsibility for their health. 
Of course, and and that has to be understood in the by the fact um, that you know if if the demand for healthcare services starts to drop, then prices will necessarily follow and and drop. Whereas in the insurance-based system, where people are entitled, you know, or or feel the sense of entitlement, you know, many healthy people end up using a lot more healthcare resources than they would otherwise, and and that drives the 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 prices up because they utilize more. Doctors are, are able to charge more, hospitals are able to charge more, and so forth. And so I submit if, to you that one of the reasons why that's true, uh, Michelle, is there's nothing in our existing system that puts the, uh, the, the power in the hands of the consumer. It's not their money. That's right. Uh, and if it's not their money, there's no motivation on their part to control their costs, to be engaged, uh, to be health conscious and health focused because it's not their money. Right. <laughs> if, if we simply do nothing more than reverse the flow of the dollars so that the individual consumer has within their hands uh, the ability to make choices and, and health care and engage in their health care and it impacts their pocket, uh, we would see transformation across America in terms of costs because uh, it's just a natural motivator. If it's affecting me in my pocket, uh, then I'm going to choose differently. I certainly agree. So uh, in the time that we have left, I want to uh, engage you, Dale, a little bit on um, uh, to comment on something that we've talked a lot, a lot on, on this podcast. There, there's a very hopeful trend among doctors of people who say no to the uh, insurance programs and start to uh, engage in a direct uh, relationship with patients, the direct care movement, whether it's the direct primary care movement or the movement of uh, the, the surgery centers that offer uh, surgeries on a cash basis uh, for a transparent price. And it seems that that movement um, is, is very uh, much... Um, uh, uh, aligned. I mean, the interests of that movement are aligned with those of uh, cost-sharing ministries and the members. I of love cost direct ministries. primary care. Right. <laughs> I so, think it's going to be a a transformative movement. I believe. Uh, yes. So, do, do you? I, I thought you'd be aware of it. Does Does uh, your organization? Um, I mean, I, w I don't want to say promote uh, the, the direct care, but maybe, maybe you do. Or, or how do you take advantage of that movement, which I think is also a very healthy movement? Uh, to take advantage of it, I think it would be um, uh, helpful to the, for the members uh, to 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 be aware of that direct care movement. Uh, we inform is there any our members about okay. that absolutely, uh, and and make a consistent, regular uh, educational thrust to encourage our members to find either a primary care physician or a direct primary care uh, uh, treatment center. Uh, to uh, enroll in and participate, particularly for direct primary care. Uh, we encourage our members to do so and make that connection uh, with a direct primary care practice. Uh, and we reinforce it by sharing or participating in some of the add-on costs associated with that access fee. So that if they're accessing a, a DPC, uh, let's assume it's a family, uh, $100, and they're participating in that, we want to reinforce and encourage that based upon the character. We have a sliding scale uh, that will share in those, uh, those access costs uh, and based upon how the practice itself uh, is, is created and set up. It's, we always believe that the relationship is between the, the patient uh, and their doctor. We don't intrude on uh, that relationship with the patient and the DC uh, DPC practice, uh, but based upon what, how that DPC organizes and structures uh, its, uh, its practice to reduce costs and provide uh, added services to its members, uh, we'll uh, reimburse that member up to $75 or 75% of their costs uh, for enrolling with that DPC. That's largely because we are the only healthcare sharing ministry that I know of uh, that shares in uh, preventative wellness care. Uh, and we encourage our members to get that annual checkup, uh, to engage in preventative care, uh, and even naturopathic care, if they so choose. 
and so uh, for that reason, we really want to encourage people to, to take initiative regarding the care of their health and based on all the statistics and reports and insight from our own data and nationally, uh, DPC members and patients uh, certainly maintain costs and pay attention to health. Great. Anish, any final uh, question? No, I was going to say when uh, you folks were talking about the Christian roots of healthcare sharing ministries that as a as a Hindu, um, uh, you know, it's easy to be totally okay with this because uh, Hindus, for reasons of spirituality and I guess the number of gods we've <laughs> we've we've accepted, have always been very accepting of other of, of other faiths and have always uh, on, loved the message uh, message of Jesus. So I know when I was doing a little bit of research for the uh, for this podcast that a uh, frequent um, uh, beautiful uh, uh, verse that is frequently quoted is one that the Apostle Paul wrote, which is, uh, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, message that uh, any, any Hindu would, uh, any good Hindu would endorse as well. So, <laughs> Well, thank you for that, Anish, because we really do take that seriously uh, as Jesus followers uh, to bear the burdens of others and fulfill his law which was the law of love. And, and Jesus went on to say, what, what does it mean to love your neighbor? Uh, and, uh, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan is a classic example uh, that we're here on earth to help another, regardless of what their identification, their religious affiliation, what their role in life is. We're here to be a, uh, an outreach uh, of love uh, to help another person when they're in nice. need. Uh, so that's what drives so and motivates may, so us. We, so that's why we welcome uh, those of other faiths to come. Yeah, so we us. may end up in very different places in the afterlife because of our beliefs, but um, at least while we're on earth, we may love each other. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Amen. Dale, this is terrific. It's a very, very hopeful trend. Uh, I've, I've been talking about it on my blog for, for a number of years. We haven't talked much about it, uh, as much about it on our podcast. So I'm, I'm really glad for the opportunity to present this uh, piece of information. I mean, about uh, cost sharing ministries, it's really a, just a fantastic uh, development. Uh, well, one we final just thing, simply believe it ought to be a part of a person's assessment of how to meet healthcare costs. It's simply one of those active alternatives for meeting healthcare expenses. Uh, and it just really needs to be a part of the. Well, can uh, I, uh, of the can I ask both of you uh, your opinion on? on uh, it, I mean, are, are you? Is it okay to have a multi-tier system? Meaning, is it all right to have? I mean, would it be all right to have some type of national insurance plan that folks could sign up for, as well as uh, that that was taxpayer-funded? Um, you know, and the, the usual third-party stuff, and and also have uh, something like health sharing ministries, or do you think it has to be a uh, one or the other. Well, if, if uh, my, my perspective is, uh, if the power is in the control of the consumer, the issues, the problems, the the high costs, the access issues will all be addressed if it's in the power, if it's in the hands of the consumer. Uh, doubling down, if the third party pay system is as it exists today is problematic. Why would we ever want to double down to the extent that it's the government who is the ultimate third-party payer? I just shudder at that prospect uh, and think that it just flies into the face of not only the traditions we've experienced in America, but just the practical consideration of how do we address economic issues in the most beneficial fashion my answer to that is give more power to the consumer. You know, I agree. And Anish, I think this idea that you could have a coexistence between a, a government-run uh, system and a, and a private system, uh, the government system is generally always predatory, is going to try to expand because it's not there. It's there for primarily for control reasons, not for yeah. reasons of shared values. And it doesn't tolerate the competition of the private system. Yeah. And it will try to expand and and uh, and so forth. So I'm hoping now that there's a, a little breach and the healthcare cost sharing ministries are, have a foot in the door, can continue to expand and do a lot of good. I wish the law would uh, loosen up a little bit, right, to allow more 
uh, organizations that um, uh, are based on the same model to to develop. Uh, there might be room for that and, and continue to expand the idea. Well, and I would certainly encourage that. Competition and choices uh, just simply give more opportunities for people. Right. Dale, that's great. Where can people follow you? And at least certainly your, uh, we'll, we'll have a show note link to your uh, health sharing ministry, uh, Liberty Shares. Yeah, uh, libertyhealthshare.org is our website, libertyhealthshare.org. That's the best place to go. Uh, I always encourage people to get what we call our free informa uh, an information packet. It's free, but we call it our decision guide. You can ask for it right there on the homepage. Give your name and email address and it gets sent electronically to your email uh, and so uh, that's our decision guide just chock full of explanation and information about Liberty Health Share uh, I encourage people to give us a call we love to chat it through with people and in fact a lot of times people just like to do that very thing talk it through uh, we have an entire group of folks here at our home office that love to uh, field those calls so easy number to remember toll-free uh, and it, it's eight, it's five, eight, five, five, eight Liberty. Uh, let me say it again. I apologize. Eight, five, 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 eight Liberty. Uh, and it's there on our homepage, uh, or peruse the pages of the website, but libertyhealthshare.org is the place to go. Terrific. Dale, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you gentlemen for the invitation. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Akkad and Coca Report. Subscribe for free on iTunes or Stitcher at akkadandcoca.com, where you'll find detailed show notes, our blog, and more. akkadandcoca.com.